How's everyone doing today? Firstly, happy holidays! <laughs> Woo! We hope everyone is getting into the festive mood because we sure are. So buckle up and giddy up, reindeers, because we're heading to Alabama in today's case. Woohoo! <laughs> Warning. The following program contains graphic descriptions of crime scenes, mature content, adult dialogue, and themes. Listener discretion is advised. So let's travel back in time to the year 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama, the birthplace of our suspect for today's case. Nanny Doss, also known as the Giggling Nanny. So this one is very, very interesting. I mean, this lady did it all. She went above and beyond to be probably the worst serial killer in this area. And she's pretty prolific. Oh, oh. and spoiler alert, she's a serial killer. We're not just talking one victim here. We're talking multiple, potentially up to 12 different victims. So Nanny was one of five children to parents Jim and Louisa Hazel. So Nanny's maiden name is Hazel, but her last known last name is Doss. Not that that's important. <laughs> so Nanny didn't attend school. Alongside her four siblings, she stayed at home to tend to the family farm. And by age seven, she had unfortunately suffered a head injury. So what year did the head injury happen? This would have been around 1912 because she was born in 1905. So if I'm not mistaken that's around the end of the first world war? Yeah that's that's more or less when that ended. So I mean you can imagine the time that they were growing up in. I mean mm. you know families were broken up, people were starving, the world was kind of in peril at that point. So it's yeah. not strange that her and her siblings stayed home from school to work on the family farm. It is very unfortunate, however, that these kids' education obviously suffered. Yeah, I guess it depends on the conditions under which they worked on the farm. Yeah, and according to several articles, conditions weren't that great because Nanny's father, Jim, was incredibly abusive and her mother, Louisa, tended to turn a blind eye to Jim's outrages. Aye. Yeah, super sad. However, it's said that both Nanny and Louisa, Nanny's mom, they both hated Jim, which I totally can get because, I mean, if Fair your enough. dad is super abusive, yeah, you're not my best friend. No, I wouldn't like him either, probably. Yeah, not keen on Jim here. So I guess the big question is, was Jim abusive solely to Nanny or was he just overall an abusive dad, husband. So I guess, did Louisa turn a blind eye to her husband's abuse? Because, you know, if she said something, he'd turn around and hit her too? Or was it because she just didn't want to get involved? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. So Nanny was said to be quite 
the romantic. She loved to read romance magazines, particularly the Lonely Hearts column. So at 16 years old, Nanny meets this young lad called Charlie Braggs. And just four months after meeting Charlie, they get married in the year 1921. So before we go on, I just quickly want to backtrack to you said she sustained a head injury in 1912. Um, how did that happen? So when she was about seven years old, um, the family was taking a train visit to go see some relatives in southern Alabama. And when the train stopped suddenly, like without warning, all of a sudden this train just hit the brakes. And Nanny unfortunately went flying and hit her head on a metal bar on the seat in front of her. For years after that, she suffered from severe headaches, blackouts, um, depression, and yeah, she felt that she was a bit mentally unstable from that point on. Nanny and Charlie, her first husband, met mm. at a linen thread factory, which is where they both work. And only after four months of knowing each other, they got married. So Nanny's father approved of the marriage and they were married in 1921. Now, Charlie Braggs didn't really have a lot of family. It was just him and his mom and the mother actually moved in with them. So he was kind of like a package deal. If you married him, you basically married his mom as well. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And it's said that his mom was equally, if not more, abusive than her father so we have another gem situation the dad i thought his name was james sorry jim is short for james what yeah jim. so that was a good idea literally no one i was just about to say but I couldn't the remember. same people who did dick for richard i couldn't remember if it, <laughs> that it's dick i was psychical Braggs's mother took up a lot of his attention. So she would often be super intrusive and prevent Nanny from actually doing things that she wanted to do. So in addition to her being super abusive, she was also hyper controlling. So she told Nanny what to do, when to do it, how to cook, how to clean, basically how to be a wife to her precious son, Charlie. So... This might be an inappropriate question, but do we know if the mother and son had an inappropriate relationship? Like, I read an article about the psychology behind these, like, mothers. They said, like, it's not incestuous, like, not, like, physically, but mentally it is. Yeah. Because, like, they can't let go and they can't let their sons move on with someone else. They have, like, a very tight hold and they like romanticize their sons yeah i think in this situation so it's not very clear that there was anything inappropriate in terms of incestuous in any way i think that because she was unmarried and i mean in those days your value was kind of set on your family mm. so because she didn't have a husband she didn't have the white picket fence she didn't have you know the dream housewife life all she really had was her son so i think okay. she kind of just put a lot of her own self-worth in Charlie. So I think from her side, it's a big codependent relationship. Mm. So it's kind of like, who's this girl who's coming into our life? Is she good enough? If, like, clearly she didn't think that Nanny was good enough. 
So she obviously took it upon herself to teach Nanny a few lessons. Does that sound like someone we know? That sounds exactly like someone we know. And if you're listening, you know exactly who we're talking about. Anyway, moving on (laughs) swiftly. (laughs) Throwing shade around like confetti. So Nanny and Charlie were married for approximately four years between the years of 1923 and 1927. And within this four-year marriage, they had four daughters. However, due to all of the stress associated with Charlie's mom and also just a lot of trauma from, you know, her abusive dad and things like that, Nanny started forming really nasty habits. She started drinking a lot and um, she became a very heavy smoker. So she had a very addictive personality. When she latched onto something, she kind of went all in. Like she couldn't just have a casual drink or a wine or a cigarette socially. She became very dependent on these items. So because of her addictive behavior, it put quite the strain on the marriage and the marriage turned out to be quite an unhappy relationship on both ends so it wasn't just nanny who was stirring up trouble charlie and nanny were unfaithful towards one another and they found out about each other's affairs and eventually decided that you know they're gonna call it quits it wasn't the infidelity that eventually drove them apart like that ended the marriage you would think that but What actually happened was the couple had lost their two middle daughters to suspected food poisoning. And do we suspect someone of poisoning their food? Oh, we don't know yet, but... But we will. Charlie actually suspected Nanny of killing their two daughters and poisoning their food. What did this guy do? He packed his bags and left. And he took with him Malvina, who was their oldest daughter. If you add those kids up, that makes up three. I was just about to ask, did he just sacrifice the fourth one? Yeah. Well, yes. In a way, we're not saying Charlie literally sacrificed his youngest daughter, but... by himself. He had help. He left their newborn with Nanny. The most defenseless of them all. Around the same time that Charlie had left with Malvina, Charlie's mother had also died, kind of mysteriously. There wasn't really a big explanation for her death. So again, another mysterious death in the company of Nanny. Suspected food poisoning, I presume. Same as the daughters. Yep, same method. So a year later, in 1928, Charlie had returned home with his daughter Melvina and with another woman. Gosp. A divorcee with her own child. So Charlie comes back with Melvina, some other lady, and this lady's kid. Oh. That's... Whole entourage. Yeah. But also, if you are a bit suspicious that your wife killed your two kids, don't you kind of not want to bring your oldest daughter plus your girlfriend's kid around your wife? So why return? Why not just file for divorce, come alone, get it sorted, and then leave again? Exactly. And the reason he came back was to literally divorce her. So weird. Men be crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so... Soon after the divorce, Nanny now has custody, or she takes Melvina and her youngest, whose name is Florine. So remember the newborn from a couple of minutes ago? That's her name, Florine. Florine. Kind of like Florine, but more florally. (laughs) Floral type of Florine. Florine! (laughs) 
So, Nanny takes her two kids and returns to her mother's home. Charlie always maintained that he kind of left Nanny alone after that, never really had much to do with her afterwards because he was, quote, scared of her, end quote. But, like, being scared of someone, that's no reason to abandon your children. I feel like that's the coward's way out. Especially to the person you are scared of. And the other thing is, he literally suspected her of killing his two other children. Is there no part of you that wants to take your two surviving children away from this woman who's apparently poisoning your family members? Yeah, and like keep them safe. Because remember, at this point, his mother had also died. Did he not have like a single ounce of like... Yeah. Responsibility. Responsibility. The following year, Nanny had quite an eventful 1929. She was living and working in a place called Aniston. And to kind of mend her broken heart from Charlie abandoning her after he accused her of murdering her children. What? She decided to mend her broken heart by indulging more in her romance novels and magazines. And, we can't forget, the Lonely Hearts column. And it is here where she wrote to men and advertised there and responded to advertisements. A particular advertisement that piqued her interest was that from a man named Robert, aka Frank, Harlson. We're going to call this boy Frank, because I dig the name Frank. Oh, how did we get from Robert to Frank? We don't know. Okay. Honestly, these naming conventions confuse me. I agree. Doesn't doesn't make sense. No. Frank was a 23-year-old factory worker from Jacksonville. Frank loved to send Nanny romantic poetry, and in return, she sent him a cake. Like, just a whole cake? A whole cake. This girl was thirsty. (laughs) That's very interesting. She sent Frank a cake. Was it like through the mail? I don't know. How do you send someone a cake? How do you just... Like, I'm assuming they lived in different towns. Probably. But then why not just, like, go visit him? Maybe that's what she did. you know, take the... Why just send someone a cake? (laughs) Knock, knock. Hi, Frank. I brought you a cake. (laughs) I guess... Is that flirting in 1929? I mean, it could be. A whole cake. That's whole com- cake. That's commitment. I mean, I wouldn't be bad if a dude s- stopped by my doorstep and just like, I brought you a whole cake. A whole cake. I mean, I would bake better. We would bake better cakes, but yes. that's not the point. It's no. a thought that counts. Yes. How nice. How nice. A whole cake. Please bring me cakes. Not laced with rat poison, though. Please, don't do no. That. Please don't do that. This is not meant for inspiration. Two years after her divorce from Charlie, Nanny and Frank got married and they moved and lived together in Jacksonville with her two surviving daughters. And after a couple of months into the marriage, because I can imagine things happen kind of quickly. Mm. I mean, she brought him a cake and he was like, done deal. Let's tie the knot. She (laughs) discovered a couple of months afterwards that he was a raging alcoholic. Uh, but uh, she was as well, right? Yes. Okay. But, you know, it's his fault. Like, he can't Obvious. be an alcoholic. She can, but he can't. I guess it depends on your uh, your behavior after the alcohol that 
matters yeah like if you are a passive person after alcohol then that wouldn't be such a big problem but if you do get aggressive then um obviously that's a much bigger problem yeah and it it seems like frank was an alcoholic but he was also an abusive alcoholic so she also discovered that he had a record of assault which obviously means that he was most likely abusive when he was intoxicated and despite these challenges they were married for 16 years that's quite a long time that's a minute hot minute yeah so in 1945 i'm pretty sure we all know what happened in 1945 basically the second world war was ending and frank being the party animal that he is he celebrated quite excitedly not aggressively i think aggressively is also a good word but he was kind of excited that the war enthusiastically enthusiastically Frank was so happy the war was over, so he went on a bit of a drinking binge. Um, d- was uh, Frank a soldier? He must have been. I mean, all... It was, the world- it was World War II. He yeah. must have been. Okay. Unless you were medically discharged or excused, you had to serve. Yeah. Okay, so then for... I'm not sure how long the Second World War was, but then for at least a few years, he... A few years out of the 16, he must not have been very present, so... Yeah, which I guess was a welcome change for Nanny. Maybe that's why their marriage lasted so long. A welcome or unwelcome change. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Because, unfortunately, after his celebrations and drinking binge, he sexually assaulted nanny so this interaction was not consensual on her side and unfortunately this was the last straw from her so is this the first time that this had happened or has this happened before i can't imagine that someone like frank having a history of assault and abuse and was a heavy drinker and obviously Mm. displayed abusive behaviors when he was intoxicated I don't want to say yes, there's no report or evidence of it, but I can't imagine this was the first time. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. So Nanny decided, that's it, I've had enough of Frank and his behaviors. So the next morning, Nanny was tending to her rose garden and came across one of Frank's drinks. This drink of choice was corn whiskey. I have no idea what that is. No, I don't either. If you guys know what corn whiskey is... Let us know. Please educate us. We need to know what corn whiskey is. Do we? No. But still let us know. still let us know. We'd love to find out. We're curious cats. So Nanny found this jar of corn whiskey buried in the ground in her garden. Do you think he was hiding it? Or it's like, okay, well, I guess that depends on if we know what um, corn whiskey is. Maybe that's how you yeah. make it. As far as I know, when you bury something like that in the ground, it's also to keep it quite cool. I mean, I guess oh, not this to was put like in the 1945. Fridge. Sorry, I keep forgetting. It's not yeah. like they had like fridges or something. They did have fridges. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> But he probably also just didn't want to store his alcohol in the fridge because, I mean, he was probably super secretive. Also, did they have more children together? I'm not sure if you mentioned. Not that we know of. Not that we know of. They didn't. So 
Nanny comes across this jar of corn whiskey and is thinking, hmm, this is missing something. And you know what it's missing? A little, little something something. Arsenic. Arsenic. Rat poison. Now, funny enough, back in those days, you could very easily obtain arsenic. And it was found in rat poison. So most homes in the United States had a very, very toxic poison within the household. And I mean... Just lying around. Just lying around. Nanny's poison of choice was arsenic. Makes sense. Yeah. This is like easy. Probably, it was probably cheap as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, who's going to suspect you of going to the store and buying a ton of rat poison? Because they might just be thinking, ooh, you got rats. (laughs) (laughs) So later on that evening, Frank took a good gulp of that corn whiskey. And sad to say, but at the same time, meh. But no, sad to say, he did die. Frank passed away that night from poison. Ning. (laughs) (laughs) Poisoning. From poisoning. That's terrible to hear. Yeah. So sad. Rip at Frank. R.I.P. So now let's travel to Lexington, North Carolina, where Nanny met Arlie Lanning, her third husband. And guess what? Nanny, being the swindler that she is, married him after just three days of meeting him. And where did she meet Arlie? Through the Lonely Hearts column. Yes, our girl Nanny has a type. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Arlie was in many ways very similar to Frank. He had a very addictive personality. He was abusive abused alcohol now we can definitely say she has a type girls got a type she wants to find them through the lonely hearts column and he's got a drink and he's got a hit sorry that's bad (laughs) um you one might venture in this uh, in the sense of they he they deserved it yeah i guess maybe maybe uh <clears throat> that could have been. Uh, I'm not. We'll still get to her psychology and her confession, but mm. maybe she felt justified in killing them. Then they were bad, bad people, arguably in her eyes, and she felt like she was making the world a better place. I think Nanny was in love with love because, I mean, she was obsessed with romance novels and magazines. I think she was in love with the idea of love. And went looking for these guys. And when she actually landed them. She made the bad choices. Yeah, she picked they, the wrong guys. They weren't as great as she thought they were. Maybe if she had better taste than men. She wouldn't have killed them. And we wouldn't be here. But we are. So I guess in a way thank you Nanny. But, I, but don't thank you. No I, what you did was wrong. I take that back because you. she did still murder her daughters. So Yeah. But without Nanny, we wouldn't have content. The big difference in this relationship was um, Arlie wasn't the one to go running around. Even though he was a womanizer, it was Nanny that was the one who was being super infant... Adulterous. Yes, I almost called her an infidel. (laughs) (laughs) Who was being unfaithful to Arlie. She would often disappear for 
months on end, not just a couple of days, not just for a weekend. She would disappear for months. And when she came home, she was often the doting housewife. She loved to put on a show for the neighbors and have people over for dinner parties and just be the perfect housewife for dear old Arlie. Do we know where her kids were at this point in time? So they were living with her. So okay. They never went to go stay with their dad again after this. So she just left them with this man she met on in the newspaper. Yeah. I almost said internet. On which was the internet of that time? The newspaper. Yeah, she just left her kids with Arlie. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, yeah mom of the century this one. Good job, nanny. So unfortunately, just like Frank before him, Arlie mysteriously and tragically died of what was said to be heart failure. But we all know that that's most likely not the case. And because Nanny had played the role so well of the doting housewife, the entire town had turned up for Arlie's funeral. He was quite the fan favorite. So after this, the house that Arlie and Nanny had lived in um, was said to have been left in the will for not Nanny, but Arlie's sister. And wouldn't you know it, the house burned to the ground under mysterious circumstances. Sounds like revenge to me. Sounds like someone wants that insurance money. Speaking of insurance money... The insurance money that Arlie had on his life went to Nanny, his surviving wife, and she very quickly banked that cash. She very quickly left North Carolina with her two daughters and stayed with her sister, Dubby. Did um, did she get the insurance money for the house that burned down as well? No, because it wasn't hers to begin with. Okay. Yeah, so she didn't get that, but she did get the life insurance on Arlie. And when Nanny had left North Carolina, it just so happened that Arlie's elderly mother had mysteriously died in her sleep. Nanny had but gone... But Nanny had... A- sorry. Yeah? Nanny had access to uh, to his mother. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why it's kind of suspicious. So, Nanny had gone to live with her sister, Dovey. Now, Dovey was bedridden and quite ill. But soon after Nanny's arrival, Dovey had mysteriously died. Now, our girl Nanny was not done by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, no. How many... What's the count at this point? At this point, she What's her body count? Her body count is... Three husbands, and two out of her three husbands are dead, including her two children, several mother-in-laws, a sister. Wow. Just the, 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 the body count is piling up. Like, at this point, she's getting messy. Too many. Too many. I mean, like, one is already too many. Nanny, really. Girl. Nanny was busy searching, busy looking for her next husband husband. She had met Richard L. Morton of Emporia, Kansas, aka Rich. So was that really his aka? <laughs> no. Or are we just, I just don't, trying to be family friendly? Yeah, Rich. 
No, we're not trying to be, but rich. <laughs> rich. Let's go with it. While Rich wasn't exactly like the previous husbands in the sense of he didn't have an alcohol problem, so he didn't really abuse the bottle, he was, however, again, a womanizer. So it seems like she really knew how to pick him. Before she could even poison him, she ended up poisoning someone else. Can you guess who that person is? Hmm. It's not one of her kids. Oh, that would have been my first guess. Mm. Let's go with... Okay, she just uh, murdered his sister. Yeah. So either her mother or her father. Her mother, Louisa, came to stay with Nanny and her new husband, Rich. Um... And unfortunately, Louisa would not leave that house alive. Nanny had poisoned her own mother in 1953. I hate being right. I know. It's terrible. Mm. And just three short months after poisoning her mother, her husband, Rich, suddenly died of what? Mysterious circumstances. Oh, my goodness. Let's move on to husband number five. Come da, on da, da. down. <laughs> so later that same year, in 1953, after very swiftly murdering her mother and her fourth husband, Rich, Nanny met a man by the name of Samuel Doss, who would now be her fifth husband. Sammy. Sam. Samwise, not very smart, not very smart indeed. Sam was described to be a clean-cut, church-going guy. Her taste seems to be improving. Yeah, she was kind of moving up in ranks. So Sam was described to be a clean-cut, church-going man who very intently disapproved of Nanny's love for romance novels and stories. That was his fatal flaw. Agreed. Three months later, in September that year, Samuel was admitted to the hospital with very strange flu-like symptoms. He was really not feeling well. He was very, very sick. And the doctors were having a bit of trouble diagnosing him. And they did eventually diagnose him with a severe digestive tract infection. Sam spent an entire month in hospital, which worried his doctors even further. And in October of 1953, Sam was released from the hospital. So, <clears throat> we kn- was Sam in the hospital, like, uh, was the flu, like, symptoms, symptoms of the arsenic poisoning? Or was that just a completely unrelated illness? So he was displaying what would now be known as reactions to being poisoned with arsenic. His doctor was very suspicious the entire visit because, for one, his flu-like symptoms were very, very strange. They really struggled to diagnose him. And eventually when they did diagnose him, the doctor didn't seem very confident in that diagnosis. And two... He was in hospital for an entire month. 
which really, really worried the doctors. Okay. So when he was released, the doctor decided that he's just going to keep an eye on Sam because if he returned, he was going to investigate this further because it yeah. was very a very strange case. Unfortunately, later the same day that Sam was discharged from hospital, he turned up dead. <gasps> yes. And when his doctor had heard that Sam had suddenly died the day that he was discharged, he decided to convince dear old Nanny to conduct an autopsy. How? Okay, I have two questions. One... Yes. Why didn't she let this man just at least have a good night's rest out of the hospital before she killed him? Like, that's a bit mean. And then, second off, how did the doctor manage to convince her to do an autopsy? Like, she knows what she did. Well, I don't want to say that Nanny was stupid in any way. I mean, clearly she's been getting away with murder for almost 30 years at this point. But... Remember, Nanny didn't really go to school, and this doctor obviously put on his charm and really did his all to convince her to do an autopsy. He probably had some really great reasons, and she thought to herself, oh, okay, she might not have fully understood what an autopsy actually does. That's true, okay. Because, I mean, if she had any idea that it might reveal how he died, like that it was her fault, she most definitely would have said no. Yeah, okay. So when the autopsy was conducted, it revealed a massive amount of arsenic in his system. And the doctor had contacted police and Nanny was then arrested that same day. But before we move on to Nanny's arrest and eventual trial, we're not done with the victim count so far, she's killed four out of her five husbands. She's killed her mother, her sister, several mother-in-laws, and burned down a house, allegedly. But Nanny's not done. Nanny was never done. So, remember Malvina? The oldest daughter. Yes. So, in the early 1940s, Malvina had married and given birth to a son named Robert. Two years after the birth of Robert, Malvina also gave birth to a baby girl. It was described that Malvina had a long and very difficult birth. So, while Malvina and her husband had fallen asleep in the hospital room, Nanny, being the doting grandmother that she was, wanted to hold her first granddaughter an hour after she got a hold of that baby girl that poor poor little girl was dead oh no now malvina because of the difficult birth she was quite um high on drugs so they had induced her with heavy drugs because of this yeah. very difficult labor. And she says that she could have sworn that she saw her mother, Nanny, stab her new baby girl with a hat pin. Oh, I have so many questions, but just like, why? Why? What did that baby do to you? Also, um, so at this point, was uh, Nanny's first husband still in the picture? Like, was he, did he have a relationship with his daughters? It looks like Charlie did maintain a relationship with his children, um, even though they didn't live with him when they were mm. growing up. It did seem that Melvina 
um, and the other daughter, Florine, did visit their dad. It's just, I mean, he was scared at the beginning of their, like, the first marriage that she killed their daughters and, like, he ran away, essentially. And all of her husbands, in the meantime, have died. And this man has just said nothing? Exactly. And now his first granddaughter has just passed away mysteriously. No. No. Heartbreaking. So Melvina had actually told her family members that she suspected that Nanny had killed her baby girl. And unfortunately, none of the family members took it upon themselves to confront Nanny. Wait, what year did this happen? This was early 1940, so I believe it was 1943. Okay. So this was while she was still married to Frank. Yes. So obviously Malvina hadn't really considered the idea that Nanny had been the reason that her baby was murdered or had mysteriously died because not long after she had actually asked Nanny to babysit young Robert, her two-year-old toddler. What? Yes. Like, did did this lady really? Malvina obviously thought that maybe because she was on such heavy drugs after the birth, maybe she had imagined it or was, you know. Yeah, and because there was no proof. No, there was no proof. So, unfortunately, this was also a huge mistake on Malvina's part because Robert being in the care of his grandmother, had mysteriously died of asphyxia. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Nanny had the audacity to take out $500 life insurance on her two-year-old grandson. And girl cashed that out immediately after Robert's death. Definitely also a trend of nannies to collect insurance money. 100%. Girl was thirsty for that insurance money. Remember, she had been caught for Sam's death after the doctor had performed an autopsy. So Nanny actually confessed to killing four of her five husbands, her mother, her sister, her grandson Robert, and her mother-in-law, Arlie's mother, husband number three. Wow, that's an impressive list. I know, quite the the body count. The state of Oklahoma kind of issued its case only on Sam because that's the only evidence they really had. They didn't really have much evidence on the other bodies. So the prosecution had found her mentally fit for trial, even though she was dubbed the nickname the Giggling Granny because when she was investigated by detectives and police, she was said to have been giggling and laughing when recalling the murders of her husbands. That's excessively creepy. Yeah. I mean, they say it's like she was telling uh, telling them about a fond memory. I mean... Yeah. There's a special place in hell for people like Nanny. Shoo. So, Nanny did plead guilty on May 17th, 1955, and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Only life? Sorry? Only life imprisonment? Only life imprisonment, yeah. So, not the death penalty, they just sought the life penalty. Um, So, why didn't they pursue the death penalty? Well, 
the state of Oklahoma did not pursue the death penalty due to her gender. Hmm. No comment. Yeah. Doss was never actually charged with the other deaths of her husbands. The only reason she's been accused of killing them is purely because of her confession. There was no real investigation because there was no evidence to really find anything and i now remember this is 1955 so dna testing and things like that didn't really exist back then so it's purely because of her confession 10 years after being sentenced to life imprisonment in 1965 nanny doss had died of leukemia in the hospital ward of oklahoma state penitentiary and that is the very intricate, tragic, complicated case of the giggling nanny. Wow. I'm a little bit speechless. You know what makes me mad? Mm. Is when uh, perpetrators... Okay, this is going to sound very messed up of me. But, like, I get so mad when they die early on into their sentences. Like, you didn't get to pay for what you did. Yeah, I agree. Not that they, I mean, this isn't a case where, like, she didn't commit suicide, but I still, like, it's so unfair you took so many people's lives. Yeah, and so many, it it didn't just end at her husband's lives. No, I mean, kids, baby, like, the, it was like a newborn baby. Yeah, no, she's a special kind of messed up, this one. Yeah, that's like, yeah. So, Chloe, what do you think about the case? Murder, isn't it? So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this case. We hope you enjoyed it. Please do follow us on our socials um, on Instagram, Just Peachy Podcast. And yeah, make sure to leave us a comment um, and any case suggestions that you guys might have. And please do remember to let us know what corn whiskey is. Yeah. Um, I'll be waiting for all those messages to come through. Yeah, super curious about that one. Yeah, so we hope you guys have a good week. Stay peachy.